0: This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to to Matt Harpering coming up here momentarily. Of course, Matt uh, does the broadcast, the color analysis on uh, the broadcast with Bowler, and we'll get his thoughts on this young Utah Jazz season and what he's seeing going on out there.
2: Yeah, looking forward to talking with Matt because you and I have had an interesting conversation today about the jazz, and I'm curious to hear what Matt has to say about some of these things.
1: Yeah, no doubt, uh, no doubt about it. And it, it's kind of been one of those interesting seasons where, it, you know, there's a there was a lot to get excited about uh, from a jazz perspective from the San Antonio game and a lot to get excited about a Portland game, and I, I'm throwing the Clipper game in there too. But then you look at the Suns game and the Minnesota game, and it just looked so different. I think it's it's fascinating to talk about what exactly those differences uh, what, yeah. what those differences are. What's well, asking? All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Of course, he makes the magic happen on AT and T Sports Net. He's Matt Harpering with us here on the Big Show. Hi, Matt. Happy New Year. Hey, happy New Year to you guys too. Hey, so we're, we've we uh, been trying to diagnose this on, on the show today, Matt. want to get your opinion on it. The Jazz uh, against San Antonio last night, offensively specifically, looked amazing. They looked amazing against Portland, and I thought they looked really good against the Clippers, too. So we'll throw that in there. But it looks so different than their games against the Suns and the Timberwolves. What do you think was that difference?
0: I think one was how uh, the Timberwolves and how the Suns guarded the Jazz a bit. I thought that... In those games, they pressured the Jazz a little bit more. They tried to be more physical with them. Um, They got in front of the route running. They just kind of made life a little bit more difficult. And, you know, when that happens and it takes you out of a rhythm, uh, it changes the game, right? And then I I don't think the Jazz played particularly well in those ballgames either. So it's like a combination of uh, the other team playing good defense and then the Jazz not really in rhythm offensively and – and then you have the recipe for, you know, a loss. I think if the Jazz shot better in those couple games that they've lost, uh, it would have been a different outcome.
2: So, Matt, is I, I've been thinking about this, and I wonder, when the Jazz win, they typically do shoot the ball quite well. Is it just the nature of basketball that sometimes they're going to look really good and sometimes they're going <laughs> to look really bad? I mean, it sounds yeah, so simplistic, you, you mean... but...
0: <laughs> I know. You mean the
2: team that scores more points wins? Yeah, um, exactly. But but <laughs> is that is that just to be expected with a team that relies heavily on three point shooting? Yeah, I,
0: I think it's more of what you just said there. I think this year this team is relying a little bit more on the three point shot than in years past. I think you know it's been evident now when they're when they're out making shots, their defense becomes a little bit better. Uh, they play more confident, the ball kind of zings around the perimeter. You know, if you watched the game last night against San Antonio, you just saw San Antonio scrambling on so many different possessions. And that's just the extra pass. Their spacing was great. Um, and then you know, they would have almost on the fourth or fifth pass, you know, the San Antonio big man having to go run out. And then they're playing in a kind of – in San Antonio is playing in a disadvantaged state. So the Jazz, I thought the game plan was terrific just on how the Spurs play defense. Um, you know, I think and then the reads are getting a lot better on the pick and rolls um, and the other thing that I really noticed last night was the pass aheads and how much they are getting the rebound and then the quick outlet and then they're passing the ball ahead to try to score earlier the shot clock. You could tell that's been a point of emphasis this year with Coach Quinn Snyder in training camp on how they want to score the basketball. I think they've realized that when you wait late in the shot clock, not only did you probably not get the best shot in that possession already, but now you're up against the clock, and you're getting a worse uh, a worse shot, a worse percentage
1: shot. Matt, I want to ask you uh, about Shaquille O'Neal. He made some comments about uh, Rudy Gobert on a podcast. I'll just uh, read a quick quote. He said, quote, I'm looking at the BS contract that your boy from Utah just got. I'm not going to hate, but this should be an inspiration to all the little kids out there. You average 11 points in the NBA. You can get $200 million. Why, why is uh, Shaq picking on Rudy? Is he just jelly?
0: Yeah, I, I read that and saw that. You know, it's to me, those words are – it's just – it's not the right thing to do. Um, I, I respect Shaq, and, you know, it's – first of all, it's out of context. It's not why Rudy got paid all that money. It's not because he scores 11 points a game. And, you know, to tell little kids that are the casual fan uh, and kind of belittle what Rudy does is not right. And I think Shaq knows that he's – it's not the 11 points, and just because if you average 11 points, you're going to make a lot of money. That's, that's that's the wrong message to send out. Rudy Gobert is the best defender in the NBA, and he's been so for two straight years. And if you watch the game and how much he impacts the paint and interior, um, there's not a question he's the best friend protector in the NBA, and he just changes shots. You know, his, just his presence alone. Sometimes he's not even – uh, at the at the rim or at the ball, then you see guys miss layups because they just know that he's around and they're worried about him all the time, and and that is why uh, you know it's the offensive side of things. Yeah, it's the 11 points. I get it. It's kind of factual because yes, he does average 11, but to me, that's totally out of context and it's the wrong word to spread about Rudy.
2: I two things rolled into one here. Uh, the first is Jake brought this up earlier, and I thought it was a really good observation that Donovan Mitchell you know, struggled a little bit with his efficiency in a couple of those games. And uh, Jake said he was interested in seeing how he would react to that. And instead of trying to play hero ball and take over games from start to finish, he actually was trying to share the ball with his teammates. And his teammates started hitting shots, and the Jazz started winning games. That was crafty on Donovan Mitchell's part. I want to get your thought on that. But also, in conjunction with that, I thought it was really interesting that Bogdanovich has been in a little bit of a slump. And what do they do in that game yesterday? They feed the man the ball, and he goes 10 of 13, 6 of 7, 3. Yeah. So are, those two things are related, aren't they?
0: Yeah, you know, I, well, you know I'm going to start with bogey. You know, for, for me, bogey. I think Coach Quinn Snyder. It's exactly if you're a player and you're struggling and you're going through a little shooting slump, it's, it's the exact recipe. It's the exact thing that you would want a coach to do, and that's to draw up a couple plays early in the ball game, uh, be the focal point, and say, "Hey, hey, Bogey, we're going to get you an easy one, a close to the rim, high percentage shot, uh, get you going early." And that's exactly uh, what happened last night. It got him going. There's not a doubt that he's a terrific shooter. You know, every everyone struggles at times uh, with their confidence and in, in the, men, the mental side of the game as a player. And I think, you know, Bogey was outwardly talked about it and how he was struggling a bit. Um, but then, as soon as you see the ball go in a few times and you get the rhythm back, he's an elite player. He's an elite shooter, and he has the capability of having the breakout game like he just had, you know, once again. And you know, to me, this is this is more the bogey that you're going to see. I think the outlier is the games that he's off and you're not going to play all 72 games this year and just being on fire. That's just not the way um, the world works in in basketball. And and Bogey's going to have some off games, but he's going to have more good games than not. Um, You know, with with Donovan, same type of thing. Donovan is so elite at scoring that, you know, he's going to have times when he struggles and he just – the maturity of his game has got to kind of step up when that happens and say, okay, I I know I'm good, and if I'm struggling today – where to where's my where's my bread buttered what do i need to do maybe i need to go with force and just go to the rim and get something easier instead of settling for a floater because uh, he's got the ability to score at will um and then that will open up his outside jump shot but i thought in the first quarter last night donovan was absolutely terrific he was just focused he was dialed in i think he had a quick eight points had, you know a three a couple threes right away in the first quarter but he's going to have opportunity um he's a rhythm type guy We've seen it time and time again, and he can score. You know, one on one isolations with the best of anyone in the
1: league. Matt, uh, remembering what type of player uh, that you were for a long time, I'm curious to your answer to this question: Who's your favorite player in the league to watch right now?
0: Um, you know, there's a lot. I, I, I it's kind of like I, I take something from. Uh, a lot of different players. So there, there might be one thing about one player that I'm like, oh, I really like the way this guy hustles or goes after a rebound. Oh, I like how this guy shoots. So, you know, I love how Steph Curry shoots the ball and how he comes and, and how he played last night. I mean, if you watch him play, he's playing with such great emotion. He was just playing with joy. He would come down. He was he looked like the old Steph. Uh, but then I love the guys that you know, just get, get grinded out. They get out there and they work hard. Um you know, and so I don't have one guy that I look forward to. I, I, I see a lot of stuff like tomorrow night. And I, I'm really looking forward to Kevin Durant. He's one of the guys that I watch. And, um, and for fans, you know, the size and measurements alone from Durant and to see what he can do with the basketball and how quick and how he can score at will, it's impressive. It's impressive to watch a seven-footer um, come back from an Achilles injury. And, I, you know, that that's impressive uh, on that front, but just how easily he can score. And, and I want to see if he can be, a, you know, a top two, top three player again, like he was before he left with the injury.
2: Matt, I need your help uh, in regard to turnovers. Because of all the things, some people don't seem to be as bothered by turnovers as I am. It just seems like such a waste to turn the ball over. But if the Jazz are going to be doing what you mentioned earlier and getting the ball out in transition quicker, and you saw we all saw that pass from Rudy last night, that he looked like uh, Tom Brady you know, firing the ball down the floor for an easy two. So is it acceptable to have more turnovers when you're picking up the pace?
0: So, to me, that's a loaded question. Um, you know, turnovers are different in every game. If the pace is high and you're going up and down and there's 120 points in a game, 125 in a the game, then you're going to have a high turnover game most likely. If you're in a low-possession game, um, the turnovers, the higher you get them, and that's going to greatly affect the game. Uh, my other point on turnovers would be not all turnovers are created equal. The, the top of the key, the above-the-break turnovers – that we had a couple of those last night where you just make the lazy pass and they intercept it and they go in for a quick easy two. Those are killers. Um, there's sometimes when, let's just say, you're, you know, Rudy's trying to set a screen and it comes off and he gets called for an offensive foul. That's a turnover, but it's not in the same margin as the one that lazy pass that gives up the, the two easy points. Um, and the other thing about turnovers, too, is you, you don't want to clump them together, right? If, you, if you're if you going to have the turnovers, you kind of need to spread, spread them out because that's when teams go on runs especially when you're on the road so you know those those things is you got to limit the the amount and in, in where they are and how they are and I guess the last thing would be in the last three minutes of a ball game you, you just can't afford to turn a ball over you got to get a shot on every possession in the close game especially when you head into the, the big games and, and into the playoffs because that's when the possessions matter and you can't you can't afford to give up an easy one.
1: Matt Harpering is with us, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the zone. Matt, what's a realis- realistic expectation for this Jazz team as far as where they're going to finish in the West? You
0: know, the West is so hard. I, I literally, I think there's probably twelve, thirteen teams that think they're they're going to make the playoffs this year in the West, um, and they and they can. Uh, it is it's every night's going to be a grind. So one is going to be who's going to stay healthy throughout the year uh, into the the crunch time of the season. No question the Jazz can be, in my view, top four team, top three team even. Um, But they got to stay consistent on the defensive end. Um, And offensively, you know, they're going to have some nights when they just don't shoot the ball well. And we've seen a couple of those nights already, and that's when they're going to lose when you you talk about playoffs. Um, If they can limit those nights and they play like they did against Portland or even the Clippers or last night, there's not a doubt in my mind they can beat any team, um, because I think the defense is going to remain constant. I think Rudy's going to be there, um, and then Favors comes in, and you know they have 48 minutes of of great center and great rim protection, so that's a plus. And so I, you know, I look at the West, and you know, obviously you got to give it to the Lakers. They get the nod, um, winning the championship last year, bringing everyone back. They might even be better this year. So um, outside the Lakers, I don't know who's really. The Jazz would be, um, you know, up against and say, "Well, they can't beat that team." So I, I think they're right there.
2: Heard you talking about it on the uh, on the telecast, uh, Matt. Mike Conley's return to being Mike Conley again. Uh, will you explain in a player's mind what happens, or what do you think happened with him that took him a little time to adjust?
0: Well, change. You know, he played in Memphis his entire career. Marcus Soule is a lot different than Rudy Gobert. Uh, just different personnel. He he had a different um, – he's a great leader at Memphis, but he had the ball in his hands and he was expected to do different things than he was expected to do with Utah. And I think it was all a little bit of a shock. It's just the entire um, change in scenes, change in teams, having different personnel, having people on the team that um, he didn't know yet. I think that all went into it last year. Then he had some injuries and I just think it just didn't go like he wanted it to go. Uh, I, I think he had some time, and then you had the bubble Conley come out, and he was terrific in the bubble. And then just, he's just more comfortable. And you just see it. Even on the pick and rolls, he comes off. He's taking his time. He's not in a rush. He's not throwing up you know, the floaters, uh, the out-of-control floaters. It just seems like he knows what he wants, and he's just waiting on it, and he's reading defenses right now extremely well. And he's just letting the game come to him the three-point shot. He's always been a great three-point shooter, but I think he's realized that there's so many weapons on the court that he can just chill out for a little while. He doesn't always have to have the ball in his hands, and that ball is going to find him if he's open, and he's going to make it he's going to make the shot. In um, any given night, You know, Conley doesn't have to score 25 points a night like he did with Memphis. He can score you know, 14 one night and have his 25 the next night. He can have 33 like he did the other night, but then he can go back and, and maybe score 14, and, and the Jazz can still win games, and I think it's just it's just different and he's now accepting that role that okay as long as we win i'm i'm okay with that i think in memphis he had to have the 20 the 22 points a night for them to even compete and, and win
2: so matt you were known as an unselfish player would you agree with that i mean that was part of your mentality right well uh, i <sighs> I hope. Go I ahead. Don't go. I think I think I think you did a lot of the the dirty well, work. Thank and you. you. I appreciate but, it. Yes, yes. No. I mean, you were an unselfish player. So, I want you to put yourself on this jazz team, and let's say now that you're, you know, you're let's say you're 39 years old and you're playing and you're on the floor with Jordan Clarkson, and when he gets the ball, it seems like <laughs> more often than not, it's going up. Does that bother you or are you go for it, Jordan, just score all day long or try to score all day long because of your ability in that regard? What do you think about that?
0: Well, you know, what I figured out when I first got into the NBA is there's one basketball and there's a lot of great scores and you need to find a niche, right? So if you don't have a niche, um, you're going to struggle trying to find playing time in, in an NBA game. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is a, is a shooter. He's a, he's a scorer. That's what he does. If you don't allow him to do that, he becomes not himself, and that's not why um, you want him on a team. You want him on your team to do Jordan Clarkson things. You want him to be the sixth man. You want him to be the guy to go out there, and he has the potential to go on an 8- to 10-point run by himself. Uh, that's a game-changing type thing uh, when you talk about a game. Um, does it frustrate you at times? Yeah, you know, I play with a guy named Allen Iverson, and there wasn't a lot of shots to go around when I played in Philly. But that's, you know, you respect Allen, and that's just who he was. And if you go to Philly and you play with Allen, you say, well, this is the way it is. If you don't like it, there's the door. Um, you know, like Jordan Clarkson is going to score. That's what Coach Quinn Snyder, that's what this jazz team needs. So as a role player, as a guy that you got to fill in, you got to figure out, okay, what what is needed for me now? Because that role is set for Jordan Clarkson. Now I need to rebound. Now I need to be a defender. I need to be a glue guy. I need to get some help defense. You know, there's a lot of things that go into a game that help you win. And so the little things is when there's some other players on the team that they got to pick up that side of it. And when that happens, um, you know, the team
2: is good. So, Jake, you mind if I sneak one more in? Please. Okay, Matt, uh, we got you here, so we're grabbing a hold here. Okay. But uh, Jake and I had another conversation earlier, and I, th- I thought it was interesting. If we were talking about, for instance, Bogdanovich, last night, yesterday, he got hot, and he, I was sitting there going, man, he can't miss. Get him the ball. Is that productive to do that, to go out of your way to get a hot player the ball, or does that disrupt your offense so that you should continue to do what you normally do, even when a guy has the hot hand going like that?
0: Um, okay, so there's there's hot and there's red hot, right? I mean, a lot of guys think they're hot. And, you know, Bogey last night was hot when he got off the bus last night. I mean, he came in and was just ripping nets. So when you see that and you see a guy that, that's, that happens – that's when you do need to find the ball to him because he's feeling it. And, you know, there's players that get into a zone, and when they're in a zone, they, you know, I've seen that happen live. I've seen it happen against me. Um, it's hard to stop. And so it doesn't last forever. And so these these spurts of, you know, three, four minutes when guys are in zones, yeah, they absolutely try to find bogey the ball. But don't do it outside the offense to where it makes, you know, he's, he's taken some terrible shots. Do it so where you know where he is and he's located. So maybe your, your draw and kick is a little bit deeper to draw on a guy to knowing that Bogey's hot. i got to try to feed him in the corner. Uh, maybe there's two guys open on the perimeter and you know, okay, there's, let's just say right now Mike Conley's up top and Bogey's on fire on the wing. Maybe I'm faking it to Conley and passing it to Bogey because he's the guy with the hot hand. It's just the little things that maybe they're both open, but I'm going to tend toward the hot guy right now. Um, but it's not one of those things where it says, okay, Bogey, we're going to cross half court. Here's the ball, go isolation, go one-on-one. That's that's not. That's not what I mean by that.
1: Matt, thank you very much and we'll be watching on ATT t SportsNet. Appreciate it.
0: All right, cool guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, see you.
1: Thank you, Matt. Matt Harpering, of course, uh, color analyst uh, for the Jazz broadcast on ATT t SportsNet. Uh Gordon, I have some uh, bad news. Uh, just moments ago, Dante Exum left the game for the Cavs uh, with a non-contact injury. Um, I hate to do online speculation thing, but most of the speculation on Twitter is maybe it's an Achilles.
2: Oh, jeez, come
1: on. That dude, talk about a, a guy who just can't buy a break.
2: Yeah, that's—he's he's made, he's made good money playing basketball, but, man, that is tough, tough luck. That, that is—because— that You know, people talk about sometimes, well, get yourself in shape and you're less likely to get injured. An injury like that has nothing to do with how in shape you are. Yeah. At least well, a lot I'm of his doctor, ins- but it seems like that that just would happen, not be conditioned, you know, or lack thereof.
1: Well, a lot of his injuries have been that way, right? Remember the shoulder that he hurt yeah. during the preseason? I mean, uh-huh. it, it, he fell on it. I mean, that had yeah. nothing to do with his workout regimen in the offseason, you know? And when he tore his knee the first time, that was playing in the off season with the international team, wasn't it? The Australian international team?
2: Yeah.
1: I yeah. mean, man, that's – I just – I do. I, you're right. He's made plenty of money. He's going to be fine in the grand scheme of things. But talk about a dude who just can't catch a break. I, he yeah. was playing well for the Cavs too. They were they were using him in a really great role. He was defending threes. He was kind of their defensive specialist and uh, was, was – you know, you heard Matt right there talking about finding a niche – I mean, he was kind of finding his niche with the Cavs. You know, the situation with Utah, since he was a top-five pick, you know, there was always kind of that expectation of more. He got a clean start with Cleveland. Uh, In fact, they gave up a nice piece in Jordan Clarkson, obviously, to get him. So they obviously thought there was some value there. And just, uh, man, uh, I hope it's not an Achilles, but it's not looking good.
2: Think about the rehab that guy has been through, yeah. Jake. We, we see these guys, and they're almost like gladiators. You know, they're out there in the arena working hard and doing, playing their game, and they get paid a lot of money like we were talking about. And yet this guy, injury after injury, and how much time has he spent rehabbing by himself or with a trainer, trying to get back, fighting to get back, and then getting back and then having something else come up? That, that takes an awful lot of resolve to do that. And I know they make a lot of money, but that that is uh, that is a human challenge for sure for him. We we wish him the best.
1: Yeah, that's brutal. Brutal. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. We have sounds of various clips right around the corner. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.